Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Odorico, and right alongside, of course, uh, is LPJ professional and Legends Tour player uh, Cindy Miller. Good morning, Cindy. How are you? Good morning, Ted. How, I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Um, welcome back, everybody. Um, as, as most of you that had tuned in uh, the last couple of weeks or tried to tune in the last couple of weeks, we had some technical issues which uh, have now been resolved, so I'd like to apologize uh, first and foremost for that, uh, on behalf of Cindy and I, uh, for any inconvenience. And we know that, uh, and also to our, particularly to our guests, uh, um, uh, Deb Vangelo, of course, was our guest, uh, supposed to be our guest last week, and right uh, a serious technical issue, and uh, we had to cancel literally last minute. So we apologize to Deb and also to the listeners that were tuning in to, uh, to listen to Deb. So, um, again, I apologize uh, profusely for all of you, but welcome back. We're glad to be here. We've got a great show for you this morning. Uh, let me just uh, tell you first off who's going to be coming on. Uh, winner on the Symmetra Tour from this past weekend, Clarissa Goose, uh, is going to be joining us here in just a few moments. And then a little bit later on, uh, she's actually coming back. Uh, she was on the show a couple of years ago. Uh, LPJ professional Jean Bartholomew is going to be joining us in the second half of the show. So um, we're looking forward to uh, welcoming Jean back as well. Um, for those of you tuning into the show, we are live, of course, from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time uh, here on blogtalkradio.com. Uh, Easiest way to find us is, again, go to blogtalkradio.com, up in the search key, type Women of Golf, and that will take you uh, to the program show. And as I said, it's live on Tuesday mornings from uh, 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern. Uh, but if you can't join us on the live broadcast, not to worry, go to the link that I mentioned, uh, blogtalkradio.com forward slash Women of Golf. And you can just scroll down to the on-demand section, as all of the shows, of course, are previously uh, or are auto-recorded. Excuse me, so you can listen to any previously aired broadcasts, including today's show. So, uh, but thank you for those of you joining us live. And um, City, a uh, couple things. Uh, first off, uh, where are you this morning, and and uh, and what are you up to? I am at the Grove Park Inn in Asheville, North Carolina at the American Financial and Legal Network National Conference, where I gave a speech yesterday entitled Mm. Own Your Game. So it could be Mm. business, sport, or life, Ted. Very good. And uh, I'm sure that uh, it was well-received. Obviously, you talked about, uh, I'm sure, a little of everything, but uh, can you give us kind of just a a little overview of some of the things that you talked about uh, during your speech? Well, um, these are servicers and mortgage uh, holders and attorneys that all work together when people don't pay their bills. And so um, what we discussed was what happens in in their offices and how can people learn to get along better. And how can you learn to own your game to be comfortable in your own skin, confident in your abilities, so that you mm-hmm. can do your job, you know, with courage, if you will. Because they've got a lot right. of different things that they have to handle with people that are very sensitive issues. So what we talked about was what motivates people. Um, you know, like you might have the CEO of the company who wants to get a contract out and you've got a brand new attorney or an accountant who's trying to make sure they're pining for perfection and and the CEO of the company's like, I don't care if the I isn't dotted perfectly, but we gotta get this out. So everybody you yeah. know, one person's worried about getting all the details right and the other one's worried about return on investment and efficiency. So how you can basically deal with each other and learn how to get along better so there's less conflict. 
Yeah, and, and that's that's a, a balancing act too because again you're dealing with dif- different personalities of course which is is always can be difficult but um, you're, you're dipping you're, you're dealing with different viewpoints as well uh, as you said you know one's looking for more profits and and looking to capitalize that and the other is uh, more of a stickler for detail so that's uh, definitely a balancing act and I can see how uh, how your speech would uh, would sort of help compass that all together now you also mentioned too just before we went on air. Uh, that you're also going to be playing some golf. So are you, uh, is there a tournament this week? No, there's an event here today. Their um, okay. networking event is, you know, some of the group is going to the Biltmore Estate mm-hmm. to tour that, and half of the other people are going to play golf. So I'm playing golf with one of the groups here, and one of the law offices and firms um, basically bought me. I'm a golf whore today. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's kind of fun. Yeah, it's always good to do uh, those types of corporate events and things like that, and also gives you an opportunity to, to um, tune up your game, if you will, because uh, I know, as you know, Cindy, when, when you're in this profession as, as a teacher professional, I mean, obviously, you've, you've played uh, much golf in, in your career as a, as a professional golfer, but um, when you sort of flip the hat and get into the teaching side of thing, uh, things, it's not always easy to actually get out and play yourself because you're so busy giving lessons and and speeches and things like that. So sometimes it's not always easy. So, um, you know, yeah, and sometimes it's not even, the fact that you know, we've got an event in a couple of weeks and it's like, Oh boy, you know, I was even going to try to go play in the Ohio state open coming weekend. And I just, I can't do it. I've got too many lessons. So it's, you have to depend on, uh, your muscle memory, if you will. And it's not always that easy. So you got to do what you got to do though. That's right, and and that uh, you know that uh, really feeds into that own your game is you really have to understand your own game. Um, you know, too many people worry about other things uh, outside, and really that you need to focus more inward uh, and able to uh, to handle yourself out in the golf course. Um, just very quickly, because I see that we have uh, Clarissa uh, on board here, so I don't want to uh, to get into too much of her time. Um, but very quickly, of course, the Open Championship was this past weekend, and congratulations, of course, to Henrik Stenson. Uh, who battled it out uh, quite nicely against, of course, um, Phil Mickelson. And this was the first uh, op- uh, major championship for a Swedish golfer uh, who plays, of course, both on the PGA and the European uh, Tour. I didn't get a chance to watch all of it. I just was very busy this weekend, but uh, did catch a few of the highlights in that. And uh, it was a very, very exciting championship. Were you able to get uh, catch any of it at all through the weekend? You know what? I wasn't. I was flying on a plane all day on Sunday and I could not see it, but I, I found out what happened and wow, did they play good or what? Yeah. You know, it, 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 you kind of feel bad in a little ways for Phil because of course, uh, right through the early parts of the tournament, he was leading, uh, by a number of strokes. And then of course, uh, Henrik, uh, putter started to, to really come together and, uh, you know, obviously all of his game was, was well, but uh, his putter really, uh, pulled him through, uh, some many difficult holes and uh, ultimately ended up uh, winning by three shots. So, again, congratulations to, to Henrik Stenson. And, uh, you know, certainly Phil played uh, extremely well throughout the Open. He has nothing to be ashamed of, but it's, it's always difficult when you come into a tournament like that, leading uh, for the first few days, and then ultimately end up uh, losing the tournament. So I'm sure it's not easy. Um, but uh, speaking of tournaments, of course, this past, um, this past weekend as well was the uh, Danielle Downey Credit Union Classic, which is part of the Symmetra Tour uh, events uh, throughout the year. And uh, this young lady that uh, won the tournament uh, is, is joining us this morning, and her name is uh, Clarissa Goose, and she's uh, ready and willing. So let's bring her out, and we'll talk a little bit uh, about her win and, and uh, how she's doing on the Symmetra Tour. Good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? Thanks for Great. having me. Thanks for joining us. We're doing uh, very well. Clarissa, let me just ask you very quickly, and I apologize if I, if I did say it. Uh, how do you pronounce your last name correctly? Is it, is it Goose? Goosey. Goosey. I'm sorry. I wasn't sure if the E was yes, silent sir. or not. Well, thank you for correcting uh, no. me. Common mistake. Um, no, thank you. Not a problem. Hey, let me just ask you very quickly. Um, obviously, you, you just had uh, a win here. On the Symmetra Tour, was this your first win? Yeah, it is my first win. So, you know, for it to happen at Daniel Downey Classic, it's kind of amazing at the same time. 
And and how did you uh, tell us a little bit about uh, about your your uh, event? Uh, how how did it go? And and were you leading at, at any point, or was this something where you came from behind? Tell us a little bit about how things went over the weekend. Um, over the weekend on Saturday, I was actually tied for the lead, um, but only shot one under on Saturday. So I think I was um, I think I was a stroke bad leading into uh, uh, Sunday. But um, but I I think I had a great front nine and ended up actually being I think two up by the turn and and then um, made eagle on ten and I think I was three up at the time but I made a triple on twelve and and I actually became two back really really quick but ended up making two birdies back to back and birdie eighteen and and um, ended up being enough to for the win. Wow! Congratulations. Well, congratulations. First off, on the win, uh, it's always nice to get that first one under your belt, and uh, it gives you some momentum, of course, going into to the next events and and so forth. Um, let me ask you something. I, I don't know if you heard what we were just talking about. Of course, the Open Championship for the men for the uh, PJ uh, Tour players and and obviously European players uh, was this past weekend. Um, someone who's played on on uh, obviously Symmetra Tour for a little while and that this is your first win, but. Um, you've obviously, I'm sure, been in positions where you've been close to the lead and, and maybe didn't, uh, obviously didn't capitalize until this weekend. What kind of goes through your mind, you know, as you're, as you're doing well in an event and then all of a sudden, obviously I'm ta- referring to what happened to Phil Mickelson. Uh, you know, he was leading the tournament and, and having a great time, but then all of a sudden uh, lost that lead. Um, what goes through your mind as a player uh, in that position? Um, it's actually my rookie year, so this is actually my first time I, I was, I've been in contention um, out of here. But um, but in previous tournaments, like in college, I mean, if you're if you're leading most of the tournament and then you end up um, kind of you know losing you losing it. Um, I mean, as a player, you almost just have to give props to that other player for just playing his heart out and and kind of out you know say I'll play you that day. You just have to give him credit and just say, hey, I did my best, and you know what? There's more tournaments to come. And, and uh, you know, try and get them all in the other tournaments. Wow, what a, that's a great attitude. I like that, um, and, and that's not always easy to do. You know, amateurs could take something away from that. Now, you mentioned uh, college. Where did you go to college? Um, I just went to a small D1 university in, in Southern California called Cal State University Northridge. Um, it's mm. about 20 minutes north of LA. Oh, very good. Now, uh, you obviously played. Uh, did you play on the team there? Yes, I did play. Um, ended up uh, staying there for five years. I had a redshirt year for um, when I was injured for shoulder surgery, but I had um, a great recovery and ended up having the best season my junior and senior year afterwards. So um, it was a good break. Well, that's good. Now, you, how did you injure your your uh, your shoulder? What what happened that caused you to injure your shoulder? Uh, they said it's just wear and tear over time uh, playing golf. So I ended up with a torn labrum and just. Uh, it just took a while to heal, so it was took us eight months to um, eight months to recover after the surgery. But in, right now, it's better than ever. Wow, well, great! Um, Cindy, go ahead. What did you major in? Um, I majored in kinesiology. Well, that's a good thing. Picture is going to fly out the door. <laughs> go ahead, Cindy. Oh, I'm sorry. So, tell me, what's the uh, strongest part of your game? I'm sorry? What is the strongest part of your game? I think my driver is, I think, for me, I feed off of my driver a lot, knowing that I can put the ball in play under pressure. Um, And then I think for that tournament, my short game was just amazing. I think my driver and my short game is probably the best parts of my game and, and something I can always fall back on under pressure. So, I'm kind of kind of glad that came through that weekend. Did you win any college events while you were in school? Yes, I did, actually. I think my senior year I ended up uh, having, I think, three first-place finishes. Uh, one of them I lost in a, in a playoff. I can't call it a first-place finish, but four, I guess. But, uh, yeah, so I had a few wins my, my senior year. I think one my junior year, so I think five in total. Oh, wow. That's very, that's awesome. uh, very impressive. Yeah, that's incredible. That's very impressive. Um, let Clarissa, let me ask you. How long has it, hang on one second. How long has it mm-hmm. taken you to get comfortable being out there 
Were you comfortable immediately? Um, no, definitely. It's such a big transition jumping into even um, after college where everything is sort of taken care of for you, you know, like your coach and everybody and your teammates are there. Well, then you're out here, you're just pretty much by yourself. So I think, you know, I won't completely say I'm completely comfortable, but I'm trying to find my way. It's still my rookie year, so I'm still learning plenty out here. What's what's some of the hardest things that maybe, you know, for the amateurs that uh, are listening out there, for, for a touring professional like yourself, uh, you mentioned this is your rookie year, so obviously you're, you're still sort of getting your feet wet, if you will, while being out on tour. What's some of the hardest things that you found to adjust? Um, is it the traveling? Some people say that the traveling can be very difficult because you're kind of living out of a suitcase a lot of the time, especially if you're going back-to-back events. Um, uh, or what were some of the things that you found challenging um, so far to uh, to deal with? Definitely the travel. You know, most of us drive to the tournament, so most of the tournaments are, you know, five, six, maybe seven hours apart. Um, and it's, you know, back to back to back. It's usually at least two or three week stretches. And um, so that transition from going into, you know, and maybe you're in college or you play mini tours, you play one week and take the next week off from a tournament. Well, out here, it's it's pretty much go, go, go every single week. And, and when you get a week off, it's not really a week off because you're taking that week off to, um, to kind of, you know, sharpen up the stuff that you were kind of faulting at during your stretches. But, um, and also it's, it's, a, it's a lot more lonely because of, you know, most of the time you are by yourself. And, and so it's, it's just trying to find ways with, with kind of sort of, you know, keeping yourself entertained and not to think about too much golf and stuff like that. And I think that's kind of the most difficult part is, you know, making sure that you do your work, but at the same time having fun while you're out of here. Right. Now, obviously, you know, you're, you're competitive with, with the other um, ladies that are out on, on tour, um, but I know that they support one another. I know that they use, there's sort of a camaraderie, if you will. Cindy, I know you can attest to this with many of the, the people that you've met uh, over the years on the LPJ Tour. Um, but who's your biggest support, uh, Clarissa, when you're out there? Um, you know, uh, is it family? Like, how do you stay connected um, to you know when the chips are down, as you say, and, and you're not maybe playing your best, mm-hmm. what do you do to sort of keep yourself picked up? Because that's obviously that falls into the mental side of golf is keeping yourself alert, mm-hmm. uh, not not only on the golf course but even away from the golf course. Um, maybe if you're not doing well in a particular day's uh, round, how do you keep yourself motivated and then charged up? Do you connect with your family and do they sort of do that, or or how do you do that? Yeah, um, definitely have my team back home and, and more importantly, you know, my family and stuff like that back home. But more importantly out here, it's kind of nice. You know, I kind of found a group of friends where where they we kind of just feed off of each other and, you know, try to kind of pick each other up as, you know, if one of us are down. And we kind of make fun of it because we're all rookies in our little group. And, and so we kind of, you know, call it a rookie squad, I guess. And, um, and we kind of help each other out when we're out here and, and you know, on and off the course, and so I think I have that support group. <laughs> so I'm kind of comfortable with that. <laughs> Sorry. Well, that's, yeah, that's that's good to have that support group, and it's nice to have you know the the group back home as well. Um, I think that's important. It helps keep you grounded as well. Sydney um, asked you about your your uh, strong part of your game. What about your weak area of the game? What area do you struggle most with? that you really need to, to, to sharpen up, and, and how do you go about doing that? I think my putting is definitely, um, it's very streaky right now, but it's definitely improving. Um, for me, it's just making sure that to strengthen it, I just have to, I guess for me, I overthink it. I have just to make sure that, you know, I trust what I see and just kind of commit to it. And, and I think that's the most trouble that I have is just committing to, to a line and, and make sure that I just trust myself hmm. and stick with my uh, instincts. Now, you're, I'm sure you're familiar with the term uh, being in the zone. Um, was there a point in in this weekend's event, uh, you know, a lot of people that, that, you know, play very well in an event, especially that go on to win the event, um, say that there comes mm-hmm. a point in time where they feel like they're in the zone. Was there a moment or, or a part of the tournament this weekend where you felt that you were just in the zone and, and really – you didn't have to think a lot. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I think um, 
after 12, I definitely just felt like, I felt like I was a little bit more focused and a little bit more, um, um, sorry. Um, I just, yeah, after 12, I, I felt like I was a little bit more focused. And, and for some reason, it's almost like I couldn't do anything wrong. Like, I had some risky shots that I shouldn't have and ended up being right. And for some reason, it, it just worked out. And, and I couldn't even describe what was going on, but um, I guess that's kind of the definition of being in the zone. Right. Well, well said. Um, if you could maybe give some advice to, to the amateurs out there, because obviously, you know, you know as you said, in between um, sometimes when you have a week off and that, you've got to keep your game sharp and that. What's some of the, if, and I don't like to use the word criticism, but if, if you were to critique, let's mm-hmm. say, is maybe a better way to put it, um, what you see some of the amateurs out there doing, what advice would you give them if they wanted to play? You know, they may not want to play at the level that you play at, obviously, but um, they want to just play better. What advice would you give them? What, what should they be working on and what should they be focusing on and what shouldn't they be focusing uh, as much time on? I think the more important part of the game is just making sure that you remember that it is just a game and and you'll be surprised how things turn out differently when you just have fun out there. I think so many people, when they do play golf, they get, you know, too, I don't want to say like angry or anything like that, but they take it too seriously or, and where the begin, you know, where the game start it stops being fun. And I think if a person just kind of goes out there and tries to have fun, and even without doing anything different with your game, you know, things just happen to fall into place. And I think that's just kind of key for mo- more amateurs out there. Well said. And and Cindy, I know you've you know played many many events, and um, you know it's not always easy to to have a positive attitude out there, especially when things are not going right. Um, what could you, what do you think you could add to that, Cindy, as far as, as helping, you know, some of the golfers, some of the amateur golfers out there sort of keep that confidence going? Well, I think they need to know their game. You know, they need to have realistic expectations. It's not easy, needless to say, to do all this and to play and to, and to stay focused. And I like what Clarissa said about um, trusting your instincts. It's almost like you've got, you, you think enough, you know how to play, you've worked at it hard enough, and now your left brain can make a decision and your right brain's got to hit the shot. Would you agree, Clarissa? Yes, definitely. Because the yeah, more it's... you think about it, the tighter your muscles get, and then you can't perform. Yeah, I agree um, with that. It's just something definitely that we talk about with my coach. Yeah, and, and, and that's, by the that, way, that, who is your coach, honey? Um, right now, my coach is Bobby Laskin at Aurelia Trubico. Hmm. Beautiful. Very interesting. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you obviously mentioned you, you had a triple. What was it? I guess on twelve. Um, mm-hmm. How do you? How did you regroup from that? What What went through your mind to sort of flip the switch and say, okay? Because uh, a lot, you know, you talked about, uh, you know, anger with some of the amateurs out there that they kind of get a little bit too mm-hmm. uh, emotional and worked up and that. What did you do to sort of flick that switch and say, okay, I've hit a, I've played a bad hole, but I've got to move on. What, what do you say to yourself internally um, to sort of shake that, that, that bad hole off? Honestly, believe it or not, I walked off of that green laughing. Like, I just thought that it was so bad that it was just funny. Um, so I even, you know, turned to my caddy, Gina, at the time and I just said, it's fine. We'll get a couple back. And and I knew that I was putting well enough that week. As long as if I hit the green, I can give myself a good opportunity and try to roll a couple of them in there. So I wasn't in panic mode or anything. It's just I feel like what's going to happen is going to happen. So if it's for me, it's for me. If it's not, you know, there's more tournaments to come. And, and I was just happy to be in the position to play, you know, the second to the last group in a tournament and be in contention. And I'm not going to worry about one bad hole if there's more to come. Exactly, and that that's kind of a little bit out of the Brooke Henderson playbook, as you may recall a few weeks ago when she, uh, oh, I believe on 17, hit a bad shot, and, uh, you know, she was laughing and kind of joking around, and, and it, so much so, and Cindy, we were talking about that, actually, um, when we were uh, in the in the program, and, and we you know, we sort of talked about how, you know, some of the announcers were kind of shocked by that, because here she is, obviously, ready to win the tournament, 
And, uh, you know, most players would be a little bit uh, a different approach. But as you just pointed out, you know, it was just one bad hole. There's more holes to play. And, and you didn't allow it to sort of, you know, overshadow um, the other good holes that you had been playing up to that point and uh, were able to move forward and ultimately win the tournament. And, uh, you know, that's an, that's an testament, I think, to um, the mental sharpness that a lot of the players out on tour have now. So, so what's next for you? What's uh, the next event coming up? Um, we're actually in Michigan right now for, um, for the, I think, I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, we're in Michigan right now. We are in, where are we at? I'm like in the middle of a practice round, so I'm kind of zoning out here. But yeah, yeah we're in okay. Michigan for a tournament this week, and and um, it's just so many tournaments. I can't keep up sometimes. We just show up to a tournament and you know play the golf course. <laughs> well, the the main thing, Clarissa, is when you win the tournament. That's when you remember um, what where you are, and and uh, that that's yes, okay. Yeah, I did remember I was in Rochester. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's fantastic. Well, listen, Clarissa, we're going to let you go back uh, and continue on your practice round. Congratulations again. Uh, Much continued success, and and thank you for joining Cindy and I this morning on the Women of Golf Show. All right. Thank you for having me. Have a good day. Thank you. Good luck. All right. Bye-bye. You know, Cindy, I know we talked. We are, you know, we were talking a little bit about this, and I just want to touch base on this again while we're waiting for Jean to to come on board. Um, you know, she talked about how she sort of just her attitude. You know, when she had that difficult hole, um, is not like what we see many times with with most amateurs. Most amateurs tend to get very uh, anxiety creeps in. In that, what do you what do you what do you say to some of your students that maybe don't have that sort of relaxed attitude during a difficult time? How do you try to help them stay focused on the task at hand, number one, but also not to allow sort of negative thoughts to start creeping in and anxiety to build? What do you do uh, when you're teaching your students to, to help them on that part of their game? Well, they need to realize that they can't control the outcome. They can only control themselves. And I find it very interesting that, Clarissa was laughing after she slubbed up number 12 uh, because she really, no one tries to mess up on purpose. Sure. I've never met anyone who tried to mess up on purpose. So if that's the case, then you just have to laugh it off and say, okay, I'm not sure what I just did or I do know what I just did and I've got to fix it. So you really can't control the outcome or we would all win every week. You know, we all want to win all the time. And that doesn't right. happen. Only one person wins per week. So, uh, you know, I'm sure that her attitude helped her um, win, <laughs> to be honest with you, because that's the way you need to think. And uh, amateurs, I think, believe they can control what happens, and then they get down on themselves when they don't do a good job. you got to just say, hey, look, I just tried the best I can, and I, I didn't do it. So there you go. Yeah, well said. Now, you mentioned earlier, you know, you're going to be playing um, today with with a, a group of, of some of the corporate uh, individuals that were at the um, your your seminar, if you will, last night. Um, when you're playing with, with uh, amateurs like that, um, obviously you have a wealth of knowledge to be able to instill. Um, do you allow them to sort of come to you if, with questions or do you try to, as you're going through and uh, sharing some of your thoughts and experiences along the way throughout the round, or you just sort of sit back and, and let them sort of come to you and, and dictate what, what they want to, you know, pick your brains about, if you will. I, um, I never, I say to them, if you want help, you have to ask, otherwise I'm not offering. And, right. and I, you need to do that because otherwise people are like, you know, I didn't ask you for any help. Keep your mouth shut. <laughs> And it's an intrusion. Well, it's an intrusion, really. Right. So you need to know when to talk and when not to talk. So that's my personal opinion. Um, a lot of people think they're supposed to help, and they open their mouths. I mean, how many times have you gone to a range and seen some stranger yeah. walk up to somebody and start telling them what to do? And it's like, excuse me, I didn't ask for this. Quiet. So 
I always yeah. tell them, you know, I'm here to help you, but you have to ask me for it. Yeah, I, I've, you know, practicing myself on the range many times have, uh, you know, have looked up or down and, and seen some people struggling. And it's very tempting, especially doing what we do, to want to go over there and, and offer some words of encouragement or some advice. But, yeah, you have to kind of button it up because some people don't always receive it too well. And, and I remember years ago when I first started doing it, I, I know that that was something that was hard for me not to do because I – by nature, I think when you're in this business, you want to help people. You're just that's part of your natural makeup is wanting to help people. That's why you get into this business. And um, you know, it's not always easy when you're first starting out to not want to sort of part your impart your wisdom, if you will. <laughs> some people don't always look at it as as that. And yeah, you can get some uh, some uh, surly looks and a few comments along the way. Um, let me just very quickly, uh, Cindy. Let me just introduce uh, our, our very special guest. Uh, the, the second half of the show, Jean Bartholomew, and then we'll, we'll bring her on. I see she's ready. Um, as, as I said, uh, our, our very special guest um, is Jean Bartholomew. She's an LPGA professional, and as an amateur, she won uh, the New York State Amateur Championship, the Women's Metropolitan Stroke and Match Play Championship, and the UNC Woodbridge Invitational, as well as the Duke uh, University Invitational. Uh, she finished, uh, finished runner-up at the 1988 uh, NCAA National Championship, and after turning professional, she competed on the Ladies' European Tour, Asian tour and played also uh, the uh, uh, Japan LPGA tour for five years. Uh, she joined the LPGA tour in 1996 and played through 2008 uh, full-time before beginning her teaching career. Uh, she's fluent in Japanese and uh, Jean also enjoys playing other sports, uh, particularly uh, tennis and basketball. And uh, of course, uh, enjoys talking politics, a woman after my own heart. I love a little uh, political uh, talk as well. Uh, she's known as, as a long ball hitter, and uh, she actually led in 1999 the LPGA Tour in driving distance and had uh, multiple top 10 finishes uh, on the uh, LPGA, including a runner-up and two third-place finishes. And she won the LPGA uh, Teacher and Club Professionals National Championship four times, including three in a row. Wow, that's incredible. Uh, from 2012 to 14, and was runner-up last year. So uh, quite, a, quite an accomplished uh, golfer and accomplished player. Uh, she currently teaches at the PGA National Resort in Palm Beach and also at the Fountains Country Club in Lake Worth. Uh, she also teaches in Long Island in the summer months and tries to uh, compete as much as she can on the uh, LPGA's Legends Tour, which, uh, of course, Cindy, you uh, um, play on as well. And uh, she had five top tens on the, uh, the Legends Tour, so she's uh, certainly a very well-accomplished player. So let's bring uh, Jean back on the show. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Jean. Thank you. Can you guys hear me? Yes, we can. Yeah, that's perfect. Um, Jean, I don't know if you. you, We're we're doing fantastic. We're we're glad um, you, of course, uh, a couple of years ago were actually on the show with us uh, with Cindy and I. I remember. Yep. And uh, we're glad that you were were coming back and and able to join us. Let me just start off real uh, quickly. I don't know if you were able to catch any of the earlier. Uh, segment we had a young lady from the Symmetra Tour who's just sort of starting out. This is her rookie year, in fact, uh, Clarissa Goosey, and she just won this past weekend uh, her first tournament on the Symmetra Tour. So she's kind of just starting out her career. Um, one of the questions that I asked for her is, you know, when you're in the thick of things and you have maybe a bad hole or two, how do you sort of regroup from that? Because a lot of amateurs, as you know, Gene, um, both as a player, you've seen it, and also in your teaching profession, you see it as well, that they kind of beat themselves up with. Um, what do you say to them, uh, to players? And what did you do when, when you had a few bad holes out there uh, in tournament play? How did you sort of regroup? Um, I think you'd have different times where you'd use different techniques. Like sometimes, you know, you were just playing so poorly and you couldn't find anything that you just kind of took what you got and and some days you had a bad score you just couldn't help it you just had you were off or you were stiff or you're just you know were hooking the ball so bad that you know you tried to manage it but other times I mean I would call I I used to have a good mad and a bad mad so Mm -hmm. once you get in the bad mad bad anger mode which was you know throwing clubs and just beating yourself up um that was it for the rest of the round. It took me a while to mature enough to learn to have the good mad where it was more self-motivating and Vince Lombardi, come on, you know, and I set little (laughs) goals like, 
Um, and that's how I teach a little bit. You know, every three holes, let's get one back. Or just try to take your mind off what happened in the past and, and say, all right, if I can get one birdie every three holes till the rest of the round, and then your focus switch to that. But uh, I, I turn from, you know, you want to get off that train, the mental train of, oh, I stink, I can't, you know, and then you start thinking about swing thoughts and um, trying to find a solution rather than just playing through it and uh, setting little goals and, and turning off that, uh, turning off that um, negativity. It, it sounds easier than it is, but I think amateurs right. do it even more than pros because they look for more swing things out there. And then their playing right. partners will go, oh, you picked your head up and you're, 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 yeah. <laughs> and, and their other friend will say something else. And then they become uh swing freaks out there. They're looking for the answer where pros, I never really thought swing thoughts when I played, I just, you know, it was more feelings or tempo or, um, you know, I knew that it was in between the ears. Um, but you learn that as you play, I think as a player, when you're young, you know, you're, you don't control your emotions as well as you do as you, the longer you play and the more mature you get, it's just a part of life. So I don't know if that answered your question, but there were several different ways I did it. And sometimes (laughs) I didn't. Sometimes you just played like a dog and, you know, what can you do? Yeah, that, that, no, that was, well, that was perfect. Um, let me just ask something real quick and then Cindy, then uh, obviously jump in, but, um, you know, I asked Clarissa about, um, you know, she had a, obviously a bad hole, uh, number 12, I think she said, and, you know, how she, how she sort of regrouped. And she actually made the comment, and then I referenced about Brooke Henderson uh, off the semester tour a few weeks ago, um, laughing after hitting a, a really bad shot. Um, that's something you didn't see very much, I'm sure, uh, you know, on the tour and that over the years. And this is something that's kind of um, caught a lot of people off guard. Brooke Henderson, of course, on 17 on her event, uh, hit a, a bad shot and you know was laughing and joking up the fairway and, and to the point where many of the announcers found it very odd it was just not you know sort of in character and Clarissa just mentioned about uh, on on number 12 for her um, where she had a, 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 a triple the, uh, the the hole ended up laughing coming off the green um, that's not normal obviously for most people or certainly hasn't been um, what are your thoughts on that I mean obviously it's a great great attitude to have but um, that's certainly a testament to, to how they, uh, they approach things. Is that for me or Cindy? For, for you. I'm sorry, Jean. Oh, okay. Um, I've la- I think sometimes laughter is a, you laugh when you're nervous. So I don't know if it was right. a nervous laugh or she just has such a good attitude that, you know, she understands that no matter how good you are, you're going to hit a crappy shot once in a while. And, and, uh, you just laugh it off, and I, I've noticed, um, it's funny now that I don't play full-time anymore, I can laugh at my bad shots and recover much better because it's it doesn't mean as much to me. So she must be a right. very well-grounded girl. And I had the pleasure, I played with Brooke in a qualifier. She had to do the Monday qualifier for Portland, um last year and she ended up winning qualifying and winning the event but just sitting by watching her I think I shot 72 and she shot 68 didn't even really have a practice round um and she had that she has that gift you know some people have that gift and I, I said she and Lydia are the two the most mentally like Annika um, right that I've seen in a long time um they just go about their business. Nothing bothers them. They're just never up or down. It was pretty uh, fun to watch her play. Um, and just, you know, like you said, if she had a bad shot, it was like, oh, okay. And she moved on and, and got up and down for par. It was not like, it wasn't the end of the world. Um, right. But laughing well, it off is, is a great, I mean, if it's not a nervous laugh, and you know there's the nervous laugh, Cindy, when um, – you know, you're kind of embarrassed, like, oh, my God, uh, I just shanked it into the crowd or something like that. And you, you, what else are you going to do? I mean, you, you you laugh because you're embarrassed or you're nervous. Um, right. Then the laugh of, you know what, I'm a grounded person and, and 
I uh, this isn't going to bother me that I made a triple. That's a that's a that's probably why she won. You know, if this girl won already, mm-hmm. she has that knack for winning and the mental state that can get it to the finish line. Yeah, yeah, that's that's well and said. She knows what she's doing. She's comfortable yeah. in herself and confident in her ability. And it's not a life and death thing. You know, yep. for some people, it's life and death. Yeah. You know, something, Cindy, too, that I, that and I know you've said this many, many times on the show and, and Gene, I'm sure you would concur with this. Um, you know, when we talked about, you know, some of the differences between the amateurs and professionals, she said that the amateurs um, really just need to go out there and have fun. And that really, uh, I think, is something, you know, whether you're playing at your best or not, I think if you have fun while you're out there and just enjoy the round and enjoy, you know, the fact that you're smelling the roses, for lack of better words, uh, I think helps to change your attitude. If you're out there and you're, you know, I mean, obviously in tournament play, you have to be more focused, but um, fun, I think is a key word. And, and, you know, Cindy, you've said this many, many times on the show that if you're not having fun, you know, you're not going to enjoy uh, golf. And, and ultimately if it happens too many times, you're probably going to end up giving it up. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, fun is, yeah. And fun is relative. I mean, when you sure. think of, uh, when you're playing golf, what is the total of time you actually have to focus on? It's like 18 minutes out of the whole time you're out there, you're actually preparing for and hitting shots. And maybe for an amateur, it's a little more because they're taking more shots. So it's kind right. of what do you do? What do you do in between for all that time? When you're out there, I mean, you shouldn't be. Um, this is the side I learned a lot. It's funny when I retired, I went to a lot of Vision 54 classes at schools. I wish I had done it earlier, but you know, what do you do for that time in between to make it fun or to calm your mind and get? You know, why do you have to think about golf for the whole four hours? It's exhausting, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. That, that's that's uh, true as well, and and you know I think that what a lot of the amateurs are doing is especially if they've had a few bad holes or hit a few bad shots, they're it's like a rewind loop, it's a replay loop. They're just playing those shots over and over on their head. So by the time they walk up to the ball again, um, they're not you know there's no clear clarity in their mind. It's just they're thinking about all the uh, the horrible shots they've hit uh, you know up to that point in the round, and it just gets there's a lot of clutter in there. Cindy, Cindy, that's something too that that you know, as as teacher professionals, we uh, have to deal with as well. How do you unclutter the closet, if you will, of the minds of some of the people that you're working with? How do you get them to well, stay focused? It depends on the person. You know, you you say unclutter the mind, but stay focused. Well, what are they focusing on? You know, if you yeah, you don't want to think too much. You want to you know scan it, plan it, see it, and do it. You know. Uh, but it also depends on the person, personality of the person. If you've got a, a very analytical uh, perfectionist, they may need a little longer process, if you will, to make sure that they dot all the I's and cross all the T's. But they still need a process, and you still have to go from left brain to right brain so the right brain can hit the shot. Uh, you can't play with your left brain. Trust me, I've tried for too many years, and I'm exhausted, and I can't do it anymore because it doesn't work. You know, Gene right. says you, he never has swing thoughts. I'm like, oh my god, I'd like one round of golf where I don't have a swing shot or a swing thought. So that's what you have to do, and you, and you learn by failing. You know, what are my yeah. weaknesses? What do you need to work on so I can have more fun playing golf? Right. Right. And, 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 you know, that's, those are great points. And, and I think that that's where a lot of the amateurs struggle. Um, Gene, obviously, in addition to, to playing some great golf, uh, you're teaching now at, uh, at a uh, number of great locations. Now, tell us a little bit about what you're working on right now and, and, um, and uh, what, uh, where you see things sort of transitioning as far as uh, teaching goes and, uh, and also for, um, the students out there, what, what do you think is going to be the, sort of the next thing to uh, to be working on for, for a lot of the uh, professionals? I think, Pro, you're constantly, uh, you want to keep up with the trends in teaching just to be aware of what people are working on, what's the new 
Not that you have to teach it, but, like, I've made the effort to learn stack and tilt, to learn the one-plane swing, to learn. I even read the A-swing just because there's a Ledbetter Academy at my uh, at PGA. I don't work for them, right. but, you know, you just you want to make sure you're up to date on the, the new philosophies, but I, I keep going back to realizing that it's, if you stick to basics and, and work with each individual student with their strengths and weaknesses, I, I just can't, I, it's good to know when you take little pieces from all these different teachers, you know, I try to study the best teachers and I go take lessons from them. I'll take a lot of lessons from Craig Harmon when I'm in Florida and my coach from Long Island was a very good pro. I'll go to Daryl Kessner at Deepdale and, and have him look at my swing just because I want to, see what other teachers are teaching but I find the best teachers don't have a mold and they don't fit people into a mold um and uh I know the technology you know people love especially the younger people they love the technology um I'm using a lot of the huddle technique app which I find you can uh you know share the videos with the students with the lines on it's very easy to download on your phone I use the v1 on my ipad and depending on the student, you know, there's some students who are uh, technicians and they love the technology and the track man and the launch, and you got to give them that to a point, but also explain to them that, you know, the golf swing is the golf swing and uh, the basics haven't changed over hundreds of years. Um, but I was going to tell you a little bit about, you know, I was out in Toledo. I did go to play the tournament. I got in and had a couple of pro-ams. And you're just watching these younger players, the girl I played with from Thailand, such a nice girl. I said, oh, my rookie year was 96, and she was born in 97. <laughs> she wasn't even 20. You know, and I played wow. with another uh, NG Chun. I think she was the rookie of the year a few years ago and then had some injuries. But how good they are so young, and maybe that's where yeah. the technology and the videos and the sticking, playing one sport only. You know, we all played. I don't know about you, Cindy, but I mean, right. I was a basketball player through college and field hockey, and I played all the other sports, and golf was just kind of a, a summer thing. But they're so good so young, um, and they're mental. Maybe they're all working with psychologists, but they just um, – like you say, they're so even keeled out there. You never see the like the old days, the temper tantrums, or throwing clubs, or <laughs> it's, it's just a, it's a different breed of player. Not that they're they're all they were very nice girls, but such refined games for the age that they're at. Um, but no flair. You know, the one thing you notice is there's no flair. Like you, every swing kind of looks the same. Right. They all hit it about the same distance, you know, long, uh, not super long, but fairly straight. No, no, you don't see any ball curving. And I know that some of that's the technology, but you don't see many shots worked around, worked at all, which is probably smarter than trying to work it, I guess. But right. I'm old school. Well, you know, and Gene, you, you, right, you, you raise a very interesting uh set of comments and and I, I want to just kind of touch on that you talk about flair and that's true you know if you look at um you know both on the men's and the, the ladies tours you know back a number of years ago if you dial it back you know even 20 years ago 25 years ago and you look at the personalities I mean obviously there's a lot of advancements in golf and it's not just the physical you know everybody focuses on the physical part of golf you know the, the golf ball and the, the equipment and that but really, they weren't talking about the emotional side of golf or the mental side of golf um, 25 years ago. You never heard anybody, you know, it just it wasn't really focused on. It was all about, you know, uh, hitting good shots and getting on the green and so on and so forth. But you're right. Most of the, the youngsters coming up now on both tours uh, or any of the tours, really, male or female, uh, are very, very focused. And it's almost it, it's almost like there's a factory and they're just pumping these these kids yeah. out because they're all the same. There's no, in, I mean, there are individual, there's a few stars that sort of rise out and you see like a, a brook or somebody that comes out and sort of shines, but they're all, the swings are all kind of the same. Even Cindy, you know, I think you would agree. Uh, some of the young ladies that we've had on the Symmetra tour, their, their answers are almost very similar. And I don't mean that as a criticism, but it's just, 
they're, they're very, very focused. They're all, um, I don't even really know how to put it, but it's just, there's no, there isn't much of a difference in, in how they, they sort of view things. Um, well, you know, it's funny. I saw, there's no color, if you will. There's no color. Right. Everybody's the same. It's almost boring. So, I don't know if you saw the feature that Jimmy Roberts did on this guy. They The nickname is Beast. And he's from somewhere in Europe. He's got this big, long beard. Oh, the beard. guy with the big beard, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's uh, it's almost like, you know what, we need a little bit of color because it's right. very, very boring. Right, exactly. Yeah, I think- you know, go ahead. No, I was going to say, it's, it, they're so good, too, that it's boring. <laughs> you know, like, it's, it's, <laughs> that they all, especially the men's tour, I mean, they all hit at 320 and 8 iron, 180, and, you know, putt well, and it's, it's, it's uh, I guess, you don't see many bad shots anymore, or maybe it's just the TV coverage, I don't know. But uh, that guy, Beef, if you saw him, he was overweight, he had this crazy beard, um, just smiling and laughing. It was such a difference to see some he wasn't a gym rat, you could tell he didn't work out. But the beard, he looked like a dairy farmer from uh, upstate New York. Sorry, Cindy. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> that's why I like him. Yeah, that that's so true, ladies, you know, that that is very, very true, you know, when you think about the players today. And I think you know, it, it's a good thing in in some ways. I mean, obviously, it's good that people are, are more conscious of of their, um, you know, of their not so much their appearance, but they want to be in good shape. So they've got personal trainers. I think there's more available to the touring professional, uh, you know, at their disposal, if you will. Um, there's psychologists, you know, um, uh, personal trainers, that sort of thing. Swing coaches, you know, they've got it all there. Where <laughs> Right, Academy, yeah, exactly. They're churning them out, like I said, like a factory. You know, I had um, on, on uh, the other program that I do on Thursday night's Golf Talk Live, I had recently um, Byron Casper on there. I'm, I'm sure, obviously, both of you know. And he talked about, really, when his father, Billy Casper, the late Billy Casper, played, and how, really, there, there was, um, they all sort of had their own unique personalities. They were all different. His dad was very, very reserved, very kind of conservative in his play. Um, and then you had other players that were more aggressive and things like that. Um, and you certainly have a little bit of that now, but, but there is sort of a, a commonality, if you will, with a lot of the players today. And, and you don't really see the individual in this as you did. Annika is probably the last person. Um, and, and again, she was very, um, you know, stoic as well in her play, but you don't really see anybody out there that sort of separates themselves from the crowd as far. I mean, if you were, if you didn't know who they were, or didn't have a name tag, um, they would all look the same as you, as you guys uh, pointed out. Um, now you're still obviously playing on the Legends Tour as well, Gene. I'm playing a couple. I know, you know, whenever I get in, it's, it's you know they're small fields, so it's uh, as Cindy knows, um, you know they they're not that easy to get in. Um, right. But I am in the one in French Lick, which. Uh, I'm looking forward to. I love that golf course. Um, as wacky as it is, it's so beautiful, <laughs> and it's just a challenge. Um, I think having some length is a, a little bit of an advantage there. I actually remember Cindy. We were paired together, and we were laughing our way around the course. So I didn't even have a practice round. Was that two years ago? I can't remember. Um, it might have been last but, year. Maybe two years ago. I don't remember. No, it was two years ago. The first round we were paired together, and we were just like, oh, my God, because you could make a 10 on any hole. You know, typical Pete Dye golf course. But uh, I think I figured it out a little bit. Yes. And I think we both had a 10 in there on our card and didn't even hit too bad a shot. It's just Pete Dye diabolical um, golf course. But uh so I'll play that, and then we have the BJ's. It's just a one-day event. Um, right. And the and the teaching national championships coming up in August in Orlando, which is like playing golf in a. Um, you might as well be in the sauna while you play. <laughs> There's no difference. <laughs> uh, so that's at reunion again, um, and that's about it for me. I mean, this is kind of my little bit of. I still I'm actually headed right now to give some lessons. I still teach in the summer, but my main teaching is fall, winter, spring is my peak season right. down in Florida. And I still try to play a little bit, but, um, you know, I'm 
bummed because I'm struggling. I tore a muscle in my hip at Phoenix at the Legends event. I don't know how I did it, but it's uh, taken a long time to heal, and I thought it was healed and went to Toledo and kind of felt it rip again. So that's what my do is. uh, And it's my left hip, which is a bummer, because you know how hippie I am in my sleep. So um, I'm hoping I just tore the scar tissue a little bit, and then I can uh, set it. That's what the doc said. Maybe that's all it was. But I'll play. I don't care if I have to play in one leg. I'm not going to compete. So. Uh, yeah. I'll ask Gene, you, let me. Uh, Cindy, for how to play <laughs> off your right leg. We'll figure something out. <laughs> Well, it sounds like you guys have a have a great time at the events, um, regardless of how you know how you're playing. Again, it goes back to what I talked about earlier about having fun. Um, very quickly, we only have a, a, a moment or two left, Gene. But uh, who who is your mentor? Who, who is somebody that you looked up to as you were coming up through the ranks uh, on the LPJ? And that who were some of your uh, idols, if you will, on the LPJ tour growing up? I remember. Um, well, growing up, when I was a kid, they used to have the LPJ event uh, on Long Island, and I remember going out and watching. Funny, I said, was watching like Beth Daniel, Jane Geddes. Um, I, I was always drawn to the long hitters. Um, I would just go out and watch them hit drivers on the range. I thought it was really cool. That's when I was young, and all I cared about was hitting afar. But uh, when I did get on tour, it's funny. The, like Lisa Lot Neumann was a good friend of mine, and we're similar in age, but she had been on tour much longer. She turned pro when she was 18. Um, talked to her a lot, and it's funny. People like uh, the older the player, the more advice they would give you, the more um, friendly they were. Um, like Joanne Carner, you know, she was she's such a, a a great. She has such knowledge of the game. You know, if you ever had a, like, how do you hit this chip shot? And you go up to Joanne, and she'd have the cigarette hanging out of her mouth. And she'd be like, come here, kid. Let's go to the tipping green. And uh, and she'd show you how to hit a particular shot from a particular lie. But you don't see as much of that now. I think everybody kind of has their little posse and their own their trainer and their coach. And But I think yeah. back in the day when I first – and I was – you know, 96 wasn't that long ago, but um, some of the, you know, Hall of Famers were still out there playing, so it was fun to pick their brains, and they'd bust your chops, and, you know, you're the rookie, so they'd make fun of you in a, in a, in a, in a nice way, you know. But I right. didn't feel everybody would, if you had a question, they'd answer it. You know, now I don't know if, if I'm sure they do, I guess maybe when you're not out there all the time. Everybody is friendly on tour, you know, mm. uh, now. I'm just not out there full-time to – right. it seems like everybody has their own little group of friends or of their families with them, their parents, and they kind of – they're catty. They have their pod. Would you call it a pod, I, I guess? I think yeah. they call it an entourage. Yeah, an entourage <laughs> is more, it's an more along – you know, really, when you think Jerry about Steinhauer it, as you said – I just thought of it as Sherry Steinhauer is really good to me. We became friends, and she would be a good uh, source for me to go to when I was a rookie. And, you know, she when I was out there, she was winning the British and still winning tournaments and in contention all the time. And um, She was a good person to go to if I ever had any questions. And you have a lot of questions as a new player out there. So... Um, I'm sure the girls do it still, but it just doesn't seem like you have the camaraderie. Right. The way I think the Symmetra tour would be more like the old tour because girls drive to the tournaments together. um, It's just a different, they don't have as much money. You know, they're scraping and making buy and uh, staying in housing and, you know, that whole. a little different on the big tour now. Yeah, and, and Clarissa alluded to that a uh, little bit ago. She talked about how they, you know, the, the traveling and the commuting between the different events and that, you know, it might be seven and a half, eight hours um, drive between the events. And, yeah, I think it's, you know, they, they sort of have a, their group, if you will, of people that uh, they travel with and partner with and that. But, uh, yeah, you're right. I think there is a, a, a 
uh, a little bit of a more camaraderie that way. But, um, well, Gene, we want to thank you for coming uh, back on this morning. We appreciate you giving of your time, and, and it's been fun. It's been interesting oh, uh, catching you. up. And uh, we would love Likewise. to have you come back on. Anytime. Yeah, we'd yeah, we'd love to have you come back on and, and uh, uh, have fun at uh, – you and Cindy have fun at uh, when you go to French Lick, and, and hopefully you'll, you'll shoot lots of birdies and, and, uh, and not shoot any tens. Oh, it's all right once in a while. It keeps, keeps you grounded. <laughs> That's, That's right. right. Well, thank you so much. Cindy, we'll see you in, in Indiana. Okay, honey. Have a great one. All, all right, take care. All right, thanks. All right, thank Bye. you. All right, that was uh, Jean Bartholomew. Um, very, uh, very grounded, very uh, interesting uh, LPJ professional, and, of course, uh just a, a great asset to the game. Um, Cindy, our, our time's up. I know you've got to, to get going in that, so I appreciate uh, always uh, um, your help with the program and that, and it's good to be back. And, uh, again, we uh, we appreciate all of those uh, listeners out there, and, and uh, we will be here next week on the Women of Golf Show at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, so we hope you'll come back and join us. And for those of you that weren't able to tune in live, uh, let me just read out very quickly that link. It's uh, blogtalkradio.com forward slash women of golf if you go there uh after the broadcast the uh, recorded version will be available so you can uh, listen at your leisure but thank you for joining in and we look forward to seeing you and cindy have a great uh, rest of your week and i will see you next week here on the women of golf show you do the same thanks ted all right thank you bye-bye sorry about that judy was boring hello then judy discovered chumbacasino.com it's my little escape now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.